Praise the Lord. I'm going to start in the book of uh, book of Matthew right here. And uh, now this is the story that these guys tried to. This is in Matthew 22. And then we're going to go to Exodus. But anyway, Matthew 22, uh, these, um, these guys were trying to trick Jesus and trying to make him say there's no. Matter of fact, these guys didn't even believe in Jesus. Look at that. The Sadducees, that's just like, now I mentioned Baptists, we'll just say Baptists, but now Baptists are not Sadducees, we'll just say the Methodists are. <laughs> no, they're not either, but anyway, these guys, it says, uh, but the same day some of the Sadducees, now here's their denomination, who say there is no resurrection after death. Boy, we got a lot of people that just think life is just life and when you're dead, you're dead. Well, think about how this rocks the boat here. Now, this is a standard reply from what you learn about the Bible and God. They said, Sir Moses, now there's, we need to write him off the books because he never existed. No, he did. And that's the reason these guys brought it up. Moses said that if a man dies without children, in other words, this was one of the laws or whatever, he's got to, uh, the other brother takes him up. Anyway, bottom line, you've heard this story, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, all the way down to the seventh. So they're mocking him and saying, so whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Look what Jesus says. Verse 29, this is Matthew twenty-two, twenty-nine. Your error is caused by your ignorance of the Scriptures and God's power, which is two things, okay? Now, they go hand in hand. The Scriptures, what people sometimes don't get, it's history. It wasn't a fable, it was history. So, when you go back and look at the history, and then you recognize God's power. So, no, he says, in the resurrection, there's not going to be any marriage. Everyone is going to be like the angels in heaven, okay? But now, as to whether there's a resurrection of the dead, don't you ever read the scriptures? Wow, here it is again. Don't you realize when he was speaking directly, uh, he said, uh, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, now, what he's telling that story is, he told that, he mentioned that to, uh, uh, to Moses. That was the story of this. Let me go back to one other spot here. I want to go to the fifth chapter. And uh, this catches our eye. And this is the reason we have our Bible is... Not just a little thin, uh, like a little brochure. Uh, I'm going to go down here to, I can pick out anything here in this because it's going to show up. Here we go. Uh, look at verse 21. Under the laws of Moses. Okay, wow. Let's back up to 17. Uh, don't misunderstand why I've come. This is Matthew 5, 17. It isn't to cancel the laws of Moses. Notice this. And the warnings of the prophets. No, I came to fulfill them, to make them all come true. With all earnestness, I have I say every book excuse me every law in the book will continue until its purpose is achieved and see today sometimes we we don't realize why we have that old testament well when you think it's history it's, it really shouldn't even be called old testament it's just it's just history all the way up to the history that we have of Jesus but my point is this look what he says here it isn't uh, to cancel the laws of Moses. So, boy, Jesus is really referring to somebody named Moses. And I'll tell you this, just a quick search. You can find this on your own. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the five Gospels, it's roughly right at 50 times Jesus says Moses, Moses, Moses. Well, anyway, Moses shows up in the 17th chapter with Jesus. And this is a shocker. But you've got to realize when you die, when you pass out of this life, you're not dead. You're somewhere. Notice chapter 17, verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, to the top of a high and lonely hill. Notice this wasn't metaphorical. This wasn't uh, a parable. This was not a suppose and let's apply it to our Christian life. No, this was a historical event. 
Anyway, as they watched, his appearance changed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothing became dazzling white. Well, guess what? Moses' face started showing dazzling white too. And you can read that in the latter part of the book of Exodus. We won't get to that today, but it was because he was in the presence of the Lord on Mount Sinai. The people couldn't even stand to look at Moses because his face was so shiny. But anyway, it's not that Moses was God. We know better. That's not, that's not so. But what I want you to see is Verse 3, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared. Now, we're, this is Matthew 17. Verse 3, suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and we're talking with him. Peter blurted out, man, it's wonderful that we're here. Now, we're not going to keep reading here. But the important thing I want you to see is, who is Moses? And who is Elijah? And why in the world? Okay, well, let's answer those questions. Because Jesus said, haven't you read? All right, this will shock you. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 1. Now, this picks up at the tail end of the story of Genesis. Genesis is just a, it's just a wonderful historic event. You can, everybody already knows what happened in Genesis. You know, the book of Genesis means beginning. It doesn't mean, well, we'll pick it up right here. No, it was the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, it's, it's interesting when you just, just look at some small evidence. There's millions of evidence. It's so easy to see. It's so exciting, too, to look at young earth evidence. It's amazing. I mean, there was a flood. Uh-oh. Anyway. Here we are, Exodus. So this is the list of the sons who accompanied him to Egypt with their families. Now, now we're going to start here, but I want you to see why in the world we have the details here. Why is it so important to us today? Why, what can we get out of this? Okay. Here's their families. Well, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. I'm reading from Exodus, Exodus chapter 1. Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan. These are just people's names. Bill, Bob, Steve, whoever. Okay. Uh, so the total number who went with him was 70, for Joseph was already there. Remember what Joseph was doing? He was second to Pharaoh at the end of the book of Exodus. He saved the day. Now, if you read the story, you remember how he saved the day. It was the Lord. It wasn't, just, it wasn't Joseph. Oh, that Joseph guy, he was really great. That's why we can get something out of this all the time. Joseph was not this really great guy. His brothers hated him. But when he got down there, the Lord took care of him. Why did the Lord take care of him? Because of the promises to Abraham. And you and I have those same promises today. So, okay. So the total was 70. Now, in due season, Joseph and each of his brothers died, ending that generation. Okay. They got old. They passed away. Meanwhile, their descendants were very fertile. Look at this. Increasing rapidly in their numbers, there was a veritable population explosion so that they soon became a large nation and filled the land of Goshen. Now, that's a blessing and a a promise to you and I. You shouldn't think about your family dying off. Now, the result was, uh, this came as a result from... You know, God's promises to Abraham, they belong to us. Okay, but anyway, here we go, verse 8. Then eventually a new king, this is Pharaoh, uh, to the throne of Egypt, who felt no obligation to the descendants of Joseph. Now let's don't pass that. Did you know the previous ones did? You've got favor with the Lord. I mean, I tell you, it's just so amazing. This stuff is good. Verse 9, he told his people, these Israelis are becoming dangerous to us. There's so many of them. Let's figure out a way to put it into this. Now, remember, a lot of times we only think about the Pharaoh and his, and his men. They drowned in the Dead Sea and all the plagues and whatever. And we don't realize what set this up. The Egyptians were cruel to the, to the Israelis. Now, remember, the Israelis were the descendants of Abraham. And God had promised to Abraham, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. Anyway, if we don't, and war breaks out, verse 9 says, they will join our enemies and they'll fight against us and escape out of the country. So the Egyptians made, uh uh-oh, slaves of them, put brutal taskmasters over them to wear them down under heavy burdens. They were trying to kill them. Anyway, notice this. 
while they were building their cities of Pithom and Ramses. Now we've heard of Ramses, so it's going to be hard to say this stuff never happened. As supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians mistreated and oppressed them, the more the Israelis seemed to multiply. See, you're always going to get ahead. You're always going to get ahead. Doesn't matter. The Egyptians became alarmed and made the Hebrew slavery more bitter, still forcing them to toil long and hard in the fields and to carry heavy loads of mortar and brick. Now, now I want you to notice something. This started happening. It, didn't, it hadn't been going on for, 40, for 400 years. It just started happening, and this is just a matter of, uh, of time here. Okay, so let's, let's watch the time frame. So Pharaoh, the Egyptian king, instructed the Hebrew midwives. We know what that is. That's basically women that know how to help women have uh, children. Their names were, we'll just call it Sharon and Pam, okay, because it's really Shifron, Pua, but we'll say Sharon and Pam, to kill all the Hebrew boys as soon as they were born, but to let the girls live. Well, we can tell what's up there. We'll let the girls live, but let's get rid of the guys. Well, that's going to wipe out the population, isn't it? Notice this, but the midwives feared God, and they didn't obey the king. They let the boys live too. You know, sometimes some people get worried today, and they say, well, well, I know I'm supposed to live for Jesus, but you know, my boss says i got to do this. Well, you better do what the Lord wants you to do. You're going to be all right. And watch what happens to these guys, these girls. Anyway, anyway they, didn't, they let the boys live. Anyway, so verse 18, the king, boy, Pharaoh, you could say, he summoned them, and he demanded, why have you disobeyed my command and let the boys live? And she said, now notice this, I mean, these women were lying. Look what they said. Uh, well, sir, you know, the Hebrew women have their babies so quickly, we can't get there in time. <laughs> Whatever. They're not slow like the Egyptian women. Well, that's a racist comment, but guess what? That's a true, that's a true thing, praise the Lord. <sighs> anyway, and God blessed the midwives because they were God-fearing women. Wow, look what happened. So the people of Israel continued to multiply and become a great nation. In other words, they were still getting more and more children. And because the midwives revered God, he gave them children of their own. Praise the Lord. Remember the Bible says, you know, the, the whole Bible is all wrapped around a God who is still the same today. Otherwise, we are wasting our time. Jesus told us to read the scriptures and it is a waste of time. No, it's not. We already found out that the Lord's blessing them in Exodus chapter 1. The same God will help us. Then Pharaoh commanded, look at this, all the people to throw the newborn Hebrew boys in the Nile River. Oh, but let the girls live. Gee, what a loser. Boy, I tell you, Pharaoh's mad. Now remember, throw the Hebrew boys in the river. Can you imagine your oldest, I mean, your, your sons? Uh-oh, they're going to drown, you know. We've got to let them drown. No, we're not going to do that. Here we go, chapter 2. Then at this time, a Hebrew fellow and girl by the name, excuse me, of the tribe of Levi, who married and had a family. Notice you have the history, the genealogy. This guy really existed. He's from Levi, okay. And a baby son was born to them. When the, brothers, when the baby's mother saw that he was an unusually beautiful baby, she hid him at home for three months. Now, some people step off a cliff here and they go, oh, yes, this is the anointing. This is where God just says, oh, I pick one out in the blue. No, how many mothers think their baby is unusually beautiful? They all do. That's the whole point here. It's not about, oh, this guy's special. Because let me tell you something. Moses had nothing special. There was nothing special about it. It was our special God that helped the situation. Because you'll see in a moment, Moses... It's going to go real fast here. Moses was like, oh, man, don't, don't use me. Okay. But she hid him for three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she made a little boat from papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar, put the baby in it, and laid him out there with the alligators. Can you imagine that? Gee. Laid him among the reeds along the river's edge. The baby's sister watched from a distance to see what would happen. 
Well, this is what happened. A princess, one of Pharaoh's daughters, came down to bathe in the river. This is Exodus chapter 2, verse 5. And as she and her maids were walking along the riverbank, she spied, she saw it, that's all they mean. She saw the little boat among the reeds, sent one of the maids over to bring it to her. When she opened it, there was a baby, and he was crying. Okay, wow. This touched her heart. He must be one of the Hebrew children. Well, how'd she figure that? Yeah, because her dad had said, every Hebrew boy, kill him. Then the baby's sister approached the princess and said, hey, shall I go find a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby? <laughs> you know, sisters are wonderful. I mean, they're going to watch out for their brother. But anyway, yes, do, the princess replied. So the little girl rushed home, called her mother, take this child home and nurse it for me. The princess instructed the baby's mother, and I'll pay you well. So she took him home and nursed him. Wow, look at these provisions already taking place. I mean, this woman here, can you imagine? This woman thought, my, my son's going to get killed. And look at the blessing. Her son didn't get killed. Think about that for your family. I mean, don't just sit here and write off Moses and go, well, I mean, Moses, what a lucky dog he was. It's all about the Lord, okay? Anyway, so anyway, later when he was older, she brought him back, verse 10, and uh, to the princess, and he became her son. She named him Moses, which meant to draw out. Well, that's going to be a mistake. This story never happened. No, the name means draw out. This had to happen because we're hinging our whole trust in a God that don't exist because Jesus said Moses did exist. Okay, okay, anyway. One day, many years later, when Moses had grown up and become a man, he went out to visit his fellow Hebrews. Well, he knew who his real heritage was, okay? And some people try to say, you know, well, oh, I get it. Moses is a type of Jesus. No, he wasn't. He's a type of you. He wasn't a type of Jesus. Trust me. Mm -mm. It doesn't fit. And it wasn't that he had a call to deliver the people either. Just read the history. Read the history. Hold up on all the pre preconceived ideas we think about this. So anyway, he was visiting. And during his visit, he saw an Egyptian knock a Hebrew to the ground. Well, you wouldn't put up with that if a man you were standing around knocked a woman down. You'd intervene too. So that's just all it was. So this was two guys, and one of them used, was, you know, let's say it was a Russian, knocked down an American, and you're an American. Well, hey, buddy, you don't do that to my fellow American. So anyway, Moses looked this way and that, be sure nobody was watching. Then he killed the Egyptian. Boy, and he buried him in the sand, didn't he? Yeah. The next day, he was out visiting among the Hebrews again. He saw two of them fighting. What are you doing hitting your own brother, Hebrew, your Hebrew brother like that? He said to the one of the wrong, uh-oh, this guy said, Hey, and who are you? The man demanded. I suppose you think you're our prince and judge. Do you plan to kill me as you did that Egyptian yesterday? Uh-oh. Now we know the time frame. This was the day before and the second day. Moses realized his deed was known. He was scared. He was frightened. Sure enough, Pharaoh heard about it, ordered Moses arrested and what? Executed. Moses ran away into the land of Midian. That'd be down south and to the uh, east. And anyway, uh, and that's, so he's gone. As he was sitting beside a well, seven girls, there's always girls involved everywhere, isn't it? Well, it's because there's nothing wrong with girls. There's girls and guys everywhere, okay? Look at this. Several, seven girls were daughters of the priest of Midian. They worshipped the sun, whatever. This was not a priest of the Lord, okay? They came to draw water and fill the water troughs of their father's flocks. But the shepherds chased the girls away. Well, look what Mr. Strong Ox Moses did. He came to their aid. He rescued them from the shepherds and he watered their flocks. When they returned to their father, Rule, you know, we'll call him Robert, okay, he asked, how'd you get the flocks watered so quickly? So in other words, <laughs> their dad, even though he's a priest, he's going, man, y'all got your flocks watered pretty fast. And they said, well, an Egyptian defended us. Now, again, you got to realize, 
Moses was not sitting around the house on a couch doing nothing and they weren't putting those fans on him like, oh. He grew up in educated and military maneuvers and all this kind of stuff. He knew. So, man, I tell you what, Moses knew what he was doing. An Egyptian defended us against the shepherds, they told him. He drew water out for us and watered the flocks. Well, where is he? Their father demanded. Did you just leave him there? <laughs> Invite the guy for supper. Moses eventually decided to accept, we'll call him Robert, rule, his invitation to live with them. And anyway, Robert gave him one of the girls to be his wife, Zipporah. You know, <clears throat> that'd be neat. Call your wife Zip. Hey, Zip. Okay. Anyway, they had a baby named Gershom. Now, notice this. Meaning foreigner. Again, boy, we're digging a hole here because none of this stuff is true. Well, he named his son Foreigner because he had to escape from, uh, from Pharaoh. Okay. Because he said, I'm a stranger in the land. All right, here we go. Several years later, now this is at the end of chapter 2, and I want to get to 5, okay? Several years later, the king of Egypt died. The Israelis were groaning beneath their burdens, deep in trouble because of their slavery. Look at this. Weeping bitterly before the Lord. They didn't know a whole lot about the Lord, but they were sure crying out to him. He heard their cries from heaven. Look at this. And remembered his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bring their descendants back to the land of Canaan. Boy, you know, those promises are still out there. God told Abraham years and years before, you can read it before, read it yourself in the book of Genesis, that God said, I will be a God to them in their generation. Well, guess what? I'm in my own generation right now, and that same God is going to help me like he helped Abraham. Our trouble is we don't believe anything. So you have to correct that. And that's why we read the Bible. That Even this morning, you'll get so much. You'll go, praise the Lord. God's going to help me. All right. Looking down from them, he knew that the time had come for their rescue. Okay. Chapter 3. Here we go. All right. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. So now he's become a shepherd. The priest of Midian, out of the edge of the desert of Horeb, the mountain of God. Okay. Suddenly, the angel of Jehovah appeared to him. As a flame of fire in a bush. When Moses saw the bush was on fire and it didn't burn up, he went over to investigate. Now, see, we've, most of the time we've heard some of this story, but let's watch the details as though we never had. God called out, Moses, Moses. Well, who is it? Moses said, don't come any closer. God told him, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. Well, it wasn't because of that territory. It was because of God. Okay, but anyway, let's keep going. He said, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three guys who never existed. Oh, yes, they did. Moses even knew they existed. They were only four generations away from Moses. In other words, Abraham was probably his great, 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 great granddad. Okay. Moses covered his hands, his face with his hands, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have seen the deep sorrows of my people in Egypt. Now, hold it. Time out a minute. You ever had any trouble? Guess what? God sees your sorrows. That's what we should get out of this this morning. I got something heavy on my heart. I got some problem. Guess what? The Lord sees it. And if you'll do what Moses did here, actually, don't do what Moses did originally. <laughs> Moses is saying, don't send me, but just believe the Lord will help you. All right, watch closely. Uh, chapter 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I've seen these deep sorrows of Egypt. I've heard their pleas for freedom from their harsh taskmasters. I have come to deliver them from the Egyptians and to take them out of Egypt into a good land. Look at this. A large and a land flowing with milk and honey. Boy, that is so important to realize that God wants you in a better place. I mean, if not, just leave us right there. But God explained this and said, hey, this is a bad deal and I want them out of there. And the same thing for you. He said, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites live. The wail of the people of Israel has risen against me. I've seen the heavy task the Egyptians oppressed them with. Now I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to demand that he let my people 
out of e- let my excuse me let my people out of Egypt. Wow. Now you notice they're, they're trying hard to say this never happened because there has never been an event in all history where a nation came out as slavery and became their own nation. They're trying so hard to say this never happened. There was it was not real. And of course, even in our Christian world today, if we're not reading the scriptures, we'll forget it. We just don't even know the story. Anyway, look at verse eleven. I'm not the person for the job like that, Moses said. God said, I certainly, look at this. You know, if you ever feel like you're unqualified, I know I have. Different jobs I've worked for the army and stuff like that. I'm thinking, man, I'm there. I'm, this is way over my head. Look at this. I will certainly be with you. Jesus ever say that to you? Yes, he did. He's called Emmanuel, the angel said. When he's born, you will call him Emmanuel, God with you. And this is the proof I'm sending, uh, that I'm the one sending you. When you've led the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God here on this mountain. Guess what? From this moment forth, it was less than four weeks. That's the reason God said, and I'll prove it to you, in about three and a half weeks, you're going to be standing right here. Oh, and all of Israel will be have blown away as though a tornado wiped out. You talk about an F, you know, a, you know what's the worst one? A, yeah, F5. It'd be worse than that. It'd be like an F1000. <laughs> it just blew the whole place away. Pharaoh pleaded with Moses, get out of here, and while you go, give me a blessing. Anyway, watch this. Moses said, if I go to, watch this, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them that their father's God has sent me, they will say, which God are you talking about? See, everybody was not in church. There was no church. All of Egypt was worshiping the sun. They worshiped the Nile. Oh, man. <clears throat> They, a lot of times we think the people in the Bible, everybody's being referenced, they were all in church. There was no church. So Moses says, look, everybody, everybody in Israel is going to say, what God? Notice what he says in verse 14. The sovereign God was the reply. Just say, I am sent me. Yes, tell them, Jehovah, the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name to be used throughout all generations. Now this is important when you hear Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those stories are miraculous. If you'll just team up yourself with what you read in Genesis about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which basically start in the 12th chapter of Genesis, and go, you know, I want some of that. (laughs) I need some of that. I mean, can you imagine? Oh, I don't want to get into these stories, but I mean, man, Moses' nephew got in trouble, and he had to go into basically a world war. And, uh, not, excuse me, Moses, Abraham, his nephew, Lot. Remember Lot? Lot and Lot's wife, you know. Abraham went after that bunch to rescue Lot, and he did it with just 300 men. Wiped out a whole army. How did he do that? Well, he just knew the backhand, and he had judo. No, he didn't know nothing. <laughs> he didn't have anything but the Lord. And you've got the same thing. All right, back to this. Exodus 3.16. Call the elders of Israel. Instructed God instructed them. Tell them about God appearing to you here at this burning bush, and that he said, I've visited my people. I've seen what's happening to them there. Remember, they're under heavy burdens. They're going to believe it. You know, they're actually going to believe it. I promise to rescue them from the drudgery and humility they're undergoing and to take them to what? The promised land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites. This was good news. A land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of the people, look at this. God says, they will accept your message. They must go. Let's see what he says here. This is the end of this chapter. They must go with you to the king as Pharaoh. Tell him God says the Hebrews, the God of the Hebrews has met with us and instructed us to go three days journey into the desert to sacrifice to him. Give us your permission. Now notice what God says. I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go without heavy pressure. Now Paul wrote about this in the book of Romans. I'll give him all the pressure he needs. Thank God. You ever felt like you were never going to be able to get out? 
Don't you worry about it. You're going to get out. Notice this. I will destroy Egypt with my miracles. And then at last, he will let you go. You know, it's so unfortunate that uh, sometimes we can't remember these miracles unless we read them because the Lord went on to say, I will use those miracles in the future again for you to help you. And he also said, these, miracles, these, these plagues, problems will never come on you. Verse 21, I'll see to it that the Egyptians, now look at this. This is fantastic. I'll see to it that the Egyptians load you down with gifts when you leave so that you will in no no means go out empty-handed. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's keep reading. Every woman shall ask for jewels, silver, gold, and the finest clothes from her Egyptian masters, wives, and neighbors. You will clothe your sons and daughters with the best of Egypt. They came rolling out with so much financial stuff. Praise the Lord. One of the Psalms, I don't have time to look it for, Look it up, but one of the Psalms David wrote, he says, they came out with silver and gold. Praise the Lord. All right, here we go. We're going to just cover two more. Moses said, they won't believe me. Oh, yeah, he's a real type of Christ, isn't he? No, he's not. See, we jump into these things, metaphorical stuff. Take the history. Moses did not want to go. Now, think a minute. Scratch your head. Why do you think Moses didn't want to go? They wanted to kill him. Remember, he's kin to Pharaoh. His mama... If she was still alive, it doesn't matter. The rest of his brothers that were probably natural-born brothers, they knew about a guy named Moses. Oh, boy. As a matter of fact, when they get to, when, in a few chapters later, all the staff of Pharaoh knows Moses, and they like him. They like him. Just like God had said. They were, don't, hey, well, let's keep reading. They won't believe me, he said. They won't do what I tell them to do. They'll say, Jehovah never appeared to you. You ever felt like that? God never told you to do something. God never promised you that. God never said he'd heal you today. God said he'd never help you financially. Oh, please. That's the reason don't listen to nobody. Don't even listen to me. Listen to the Bible. What you, he, notice this. He says, what do you got in your hand? The Lord said, well, I got a shepherd's rod. Throw it to the ground. He told him. He threw it to the ground. Uh-oh, it became, like you say, a rattlesnake. It became a serpent. <laughs> Moses, look at this, ran from it. That must have been, it must have been a pretty scary snake. <sighs> notice what he said. The Lord said, grab it by the tail. Can you imagine Moses probably said, are you out of your mind? grab it by the tail. He did and it became a rod in his hand. Now look what the Lord says. You do that and they'll believe you. Whoa. Do you see how the Lord's on your side? But now God doesn't back up there. He says, look at this. Then they'll realize that Jehovah, the God of their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, really appeared to you. Now reach your hand inside your robe. Look at this. Inside your chest. And when he did, he took it out. It became white as leprous. Now that's nasty stuff. Fingers falling off. and I mean, your just hand is dead. Now he said, put it back in. Jehovah said, and when he did, he took it out and it was normal as before. Now, don't kid yourself that the Lord won't help you physically instantaneously. And don't kid yourself thinking it takes millions of years either. It's so funny. We preach this. Oh, healing today is just, uh, it's uh, mental healing. That's what it is. Isn't that so funny? We believe that God will restore somebody from emotional healing instantly. But when it comes to a hurt knee, we go, oh God, it's going to be a process. Uh, The Lord told me it's going to be a process. Quit saying that stuff. You need your knee now. You need to walk to the car. Praise the Lord. It's just, we just so backwards sometimes. Okay, verse 8. If they don't believe the first miracle, they will the second. Do you see how logical the Lord is? He says, yeah, you, you, do, that, you do that stick thing, and if they don't believe that one, then put your hand in your, I mean, make them look at that nasty-looking rotten hand you got, and then stick it back in. They're going, they're, uh, it'll flip them out. And then he says, if they don't accept you after those two signs, can you see how the Lord is trying to build up Moses? In a minute, the Lord's going to get mad at Moses because Moses is still going to say, I can't do this. Okay. Take water from the Nile River, pour it on dry land, 
And it's going to what? It's going to turn to blood. Buddy, it, these are lies. Boy, if this is not true. But remember, Jesus said it was true. Anyway, but Moses pleaded, Oh, Lord, I'm just not a good speaker. Oh. Man, I felt that way too before I got into the ministry. and Actually, English class and trying to speak in public. Just nervous as could be. Anyway, I'm not a good speaker. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even after you've spoken to me, for I have a speech impediment. Can you tell Moses is talking purely from doubt and unbelief? He's, he's thanks, but no thanks. Boy, you don't want to do that. Look what the Lord says. Who makes mouths? Anybody in this room got a mouth? We all do, don't we? So you see how he grabs us all together? Jehovah, isn't it I? Who makes a man that he can speak or not speak? Or see or not see? Hear or not hear? Now go ahead, do as I tell you. Look at this. I will help you speak well. He didn't say, I'm going to make a fool out of you. We have so many stupid stories. People say, I went out there and the Lord just used me to make a fool out of myself. And, and, and I learned that I was a nobody. And so we get scared thinking that's what the Lord's going to do. And that's dumb. I tell you what, when Moses finally got a hold of this and he went before Pharaoh, boy, he was fantastic. Mm. All right, here we go. Let's keep going. Verse 12. Now go ahead, do as I tell you, for I will help you speak well. I will tell you what to say. Boy, Moses, look at this. Now it's just like us. We could do this. So do you see this is is definitely not Jesus, is it? Moses says, please, Lord, send somebody else. Boy, the Lord became angry. Well, the Lord needs a little anger management, doesn't he? The Lord's not real Christian-like. See how all political correctness has made us not even believe the Bible. I mean, the Lord got mad. I mean, my, my parents got mad at me. I and mean, I'll tell you what, I perked up when my parents got mad. Uh-oh, I hit a nerve. <laughs> you know, I had to change something. My parents were trying to get me to do something I needed to do. So anyway, he says, all right, your brother Aaron's a good speaker. He's coming here to look for you and be very happy when he finds you. Now, what's funny, this was going to be a couple, of, a couple of days later, actually two days. But, of course, God knows what's going on. Aaron was looking for his brother, which makes sense because Moses had been gone for quite a while. I'll tell him what to tell, excuse me, so I will tell you what to tell him, and I will help both of you speak well, and I will tell you what to do. He'll be your spokesman to the people, and you will be as God to him, telling him what to say. And be sure to take, look at that, take your rod along. You know, what miracle happened yesterday, don't count on it happening tomorrow. Yes, you do. The miracles will always happen. Anyway, take your rod along so that you can perform perform the miracles I've shown you. Now, we're already at four. I'm going to get you all the way to Pharaoh, and then... uh, you can read some more of it when you get home. All right, verse 18. Moses returned home, talked it over with who? Jethro. You know, he went to the Beverly Hillbillies. You know, He talked it over with Jethro, no, his father-in-law. With your permission, Moses said. Remember, he's married to one of his daughters. I'm going to go back to Egypt to visit my relatives. I don't even know whether they're still alive. Boy, so Moses was gone a long time. Notice what Jethro said. Go with my blessing. Now, before Moses left Midian, Jehovah said to him, Don't be afraid. Look at this. This is great. Don't be afraid to go to Egypt. For all who wanted to kill you are dead. Now, you can either believe that or don't believe it. But praise the Lord, if it was Phil and I, and we knew the Lord, we'd be like, you know what? I believe, I'm going to trust God. He's never lied to me before. I mean, the thing that was scaring Moses, man, they wanted to execute me. I'm not going back. But now, wait a minute. I've seen this burning bush. And don't you know, at night, Moses was probably doing this hand thing. And it would come out leprous, and he'd stick it back. I mean, I mean come on. Why would it not? I mean, because the Lord's with you all the time, and I'm sure the Lord said, I told you, I told you, I told you. And Moses slips it back in, pulls it back out, because he shows this to Abraham, I mean, to, to Aaron. All right, let's keep going. So, verse 20. Moses took his wife and his sons, put them on a donkey, 
got them a BMW there, and they returned to the land of Egypt, holding, and I like to say this is funny, holding tightly to the rod of God. <laughs> He's probably making sure there ain't no scales growing up on this thing. Jehovah told him, when you arrive in Egypt, you're to go to Pharaoh and do the miracles I've shown you. Notice this. This is so important. God said, I'm going to make him stubborn. Now, there was a reason for this. Nobody was in church. Nobody knew who, what, God, whatever. Remember, Moses said, they're going to say, what God? And God, and God said, you tell them it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Notice what he says. You tell them, oh, oh, when you get back to Egypt, go to Pharaoh, do the miracles, and I'll make him stubborn so he'll not let the people go. You're to tell him, Jehovah says, Israel is my eldest son, and I've commanded you to let him go worship me, but you've refused, and now see, here you go, the death angel, I will slay your oldest son. Now remember, who was killing who at the start? The Egyptians throwing all the babies. You don't, we don't know how many babies were killed. Man. And listen, God's hot about that. He's also hot about you and I being in any kind of slavery whatsoever. Anyway, Moses and his family were traveling a long stop for the night. Jehovah appeared to Moses, threatened to kill him. Whoa, 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 what's this? No, don't worry about this. Let's read through it. Watch, it's really simple. Zipporah, his wife, took a flint knife. Now, what'd she pull out her pocket knife for? She cut off the foreskin of her youngest son's penis. What's going on here? And threw it at Moses' feet, remarking disgustedly, what a bloody smear, what a blood-smeared husband you've turned out to be. Then it says God let him go. Genesis chapter 17, God said your part of the covenant is every male has to be circumcised. And he says if you're not, you're excommunicated. Well, remember Moses was not grown up in church. He didn't know what church was. He didn't know what God was hardly. He knew a little bit of history about Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, but not much. And anyway, he found out that, uh-oh, if you're not circumcised, then you're not showing that you're part of the Abrahamic covenant God made to bless you, whatever. So that's all that was. Notice verse 26, God let him go. I mean, it was almost like, well, I'm going to half-heartedly do this stuff. No, the Lord said, look, we're, you're, on, you're on board with me now. Let's start doing this right. Okay, now today we don't have to be circumcised anymore. You read in the New Testament, it's not required. We have, when, you give, when you give your life to Jesus, it's a spiritual circumcision. Same word, though. Verse 27, now Jehovah said to Aaron, go into the wilderness, meet Moses. Now, wait a minute, how you know? How you know Aaron's coming? Well, he's with us this morning in church. But anyway, this is another Aaron. Aaron traveled to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, and met Moses there. They greeted each other warmly. Moses told Aaron what God had said they must do and what they were to say and about the miracles that they must do before Pharaoh. So Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt, summoned all the people of Israel together. Now, this was great. Notice this, Aaron told them, that Jehovah, what Jehovah said to Moses, in other words, he's just recapping, and look what happened. End of the chapter here, one more chapter. Moses did the miracles, they watched it. Boy, the, the elders believed God sent them. And when they heard Jehovah had visited with them, seen their sorrows, and decided to rescue them, they all rejoiced and bowed their heads. Now the next chapter is going to go down fast, but it's okay. It's, I want you to watch closely. This is one day, the next day is going to be the next day, and then guess what? On the third day, all the trouble that was ever happening to the Israelites was over with. I mean, boy, God was starting to show out. Here we go. Let's stop right here. After this presentation to the elders, Moses and Aaron went to see Pharaoh. This is Exodus 5. You know, guess what? By the 10th, uh, by the 10th chapter, uh, they're already out from Pharaoh. So can you imagine how fast you could read this? Okay. We bring you a message from Jehovah, the God of Israel, he says. Obviously Aaron's saying this, but Moses is standing right there. Let my people go. They must take a holy pilgrimage into the wilderness for a religious feast to worship me there. Is that so, Pharaoh says. 
Now, who's Jehovah? Now, boy, that should ring a bell. Why God was fixing to do it. They don't know who Jehovah is. Why should I listen to him and let, Pharaoh, let Israel go? I don't know any Jehovah. I will, not let the Israel, I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met us. They declared, we've got to go three days' journey in the wilderness and sacrifice to Jehovah our God. If we don't, we face death by plague or sword. Who do you think you are, Pharaoh shouted, distracting the people from their work. Remember, they were under heavy burdens. Get back to your jobs. Verse 6. That same day, see this was not months later, years later, this was the same day, he sent orders to the taskmasters and officers he set over the people of Israel, don't give the people any more straw for making brick. Now remember, this is going to make life hard for Israel. And they're going to want to have Moses killed after this. The Israelites are. They're going to be mad. But don't worry. God still sent Moses to do it. He's going to fix it. However, don't reduce their production quotas by a single brick. For they obviously don't have enough to do. Else they wouldn't be talking about going into the wilderness to sacrifice to their God. Oh man, this is going to get bad. Load them with heavy work. Make them sweat. That'll teach them to listen to Moses and Aaron's lies. So the taskmasters and officers informed the people. Pharaoh giving us orders to furnish you no more straw. Go and find it wherever you can. But you must produce the same as many bricks as before. So the people scattered everywhere to gather straw. The taskmasters were brutal. Fulfill your daily quotas just as before, they demanded. Then they whipped the Israeli work crew bosses. Why haven't you fulfilled your quotas yesterday and today? So now we got the time frame. Boy, it's been bad for like two days, they roared. The foreman, they went to Pharaoh. Wow, <laughs> they must have had a union. They pleaded with him, don't treat us like this, they begged. We've been given no straw, and we're told to make as many bricks as before. Then we're beaten for something that isn't our fault. It's the fault of your taskmasters for giving us such unreasonable demands. Now, we're fixing to get to Moses here in a minute. Moses is going to be mad at the Lord, so watch this. Yeah, he's a real type of Jesus, isn't he? No, he's not. Let's get to history. Pharaoh replied, you don't have enough work to do, or else you wouldn't be saying, let's go, you know the story, let's go to you know, sacrifice to Jehovah. Get back to your work. No straw will be given you, and you must deliver the regular quota of bricks. Then the foreman saw they were indeed a bad situation. Oh, aren't they so nice to Moses? No, they're not. When they met Moses and Aaron waiting outside the palace, as they came from their meeting with Pharaoh, they swore at them. They said, May God judge you for making a stink before Pharaoh and his people, and for giving them an excuse to what? Kill us. Now they're blaming Moses. Now look what Moses does. <laughs> Moses goes and tells the Lord, Why did you send me? He basically says, God, are you out of your mind? Anyway, so Moses went back to the Lord. He protested. Well, that's not very nice to the Lord. How can you mistreat you? No, it's God's fault. How can you mistreat your own people this way? Why did you ever send me uh, uh, if you were going to do this to them? Ever since I gave Pharaoh your message, it only been two days. He's only been more and more brutal to them. You have not delivered them at all. Now watch the Lord's response. Uh, well, we have to get to the next chapter. Excuse me. We're just going to start right here and that's it. It's amazing that's five chapters. Look at verse 1. We're going to stop. Now you will see what I shall do to Pharaoh. Wow. The Lord says he must be forced to let my people go. This is chapter 6. He will not let them go. But excuse me, he will not only let them go, but he'll drive them out of this land. 
I am Jehovah, the Almighty God, who appeared. In other words, God didn't say I never did it. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, though I did not reveal my name to them. And I entered into a solemn covenant with them. What, what is this covenant stuff? That's the reason if you don't read Genesis, you'll never know. The first part of the covenant was I will keep you safe. I will cause you to live long. Things that the Baptist church, we are so far behind on. We don't believe he'll protect us. We don't believe he'll help you live your life out. It's ridiculous. Or any denomination for that matter. Anyway, I intend, I entered this solemn covenant under his terms and I promised to give their descendants, anyway, the promise, whatever. But anyway, you read this for yourself later on and it just changed your life. Changed your life. Boy, I mean, from here on out, just four more chapters, all of uh, Egypt gets wiped out and these guys get out of the promised land. <clears throat> I mean, get to the promised land. Wow, I didn't mean to go.